Welcome to episode 151 of the Sports Geek Podcast. On this week's episode, we chat Origin with Jason Davis from the Queensland Maroons. Welcome to the Sports Geek Podcast, the podcast built for sports digital and sports business professionals. And now, here's your host, who introduced Twitter to Australia, Sean Callanan. Thanks, DJ Joel. Yes, uh, I did introduce Twitter to Australia when they were looking to open offices here in Australia many years ago, back in uh, 2012, when we ran the very successful Twitter brekkie events uh, in both Melbourne and Sydney. Had over 500 sports and entertainment people turn up. Maybe I should run them again as uh, Twitter tries to rebrand and find its place uh, in the sports and digital landscape. My name is Sean Callanan from Sports Geek. Uh, you're listening to the Sports Geek Podcast. Thank you very much for doing so. This is episode 151. If it's the first time you're listening to it, welcome. If you've been listening since the beginning, like people like Simon and Daniel and the like, uh, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, every time you listen, it allows me to continue to do this. Uh, you may be listening at sportsgeekhq.com, our website, or you might be doing it on your favourite podcast platform. You should know mine by now, it's Pocket Casts, but I I won't begrudge you if you're listening via iTunes. I'm really excited, actually, around some of the developments that iTunes and Apple are doing in the podcasting space, uh, because I think it will actually get more people listening to podcasts, and uh, for me, that's a good thing. if at, if at any point in time uh, you're listening to this and you want to ask me a question, you can reach me via most social channels, uh, at Sean Callanan on most channels, or you can use the old-fashioned way. And no, I'm not saying send me a fax because I don't have a fax number, but you can send me an email, sean at sportsgeekhq.com. Um, I'm always appreciative of hearing from people who are, who are listeners, um, either via email or in the Sports Business Slack uh, as I mentioned in last week's episode, we have now passed 1,000 members in the Sports Biz Slack. Uh, and you can join that by just going to sportsgeekhq.com slash slack. And funnily enough, today's guest uh, was organized and recruited via the Sports Business Slack. Uh, Jason Davis is the head of digital for the Queensland Rugby League and drives all the social, and him and his team drive all the social and digital for the Queensland Maroons. Uh Queensland is the state representative team in rugby league. Uh, they go up against, and we talk about it in the interview, they go up against the New South Wales Blues in a game, uh, a series of three games every year. Uh, they are the pinnacle of the rugby league calendar. Uh, we did discuss uh, it previously on episode 81 with Matt Henry from the NRL, um, but it was really good to go behind the scenes and sort of go into what it's like um, on you know, three of the biggest TV games of the year, uh, what Jason and his team are trying to do to augment that re- that experience, what they're trying to do on social and digital, um, because they have one of the biggest digital fan bases in Australia for a team as a state representative team. So uh, here is my chat with Jason Davis from the Queensland Maroons. Uh, very happy for this man to join me in a really busy period for his time of the year. Jason Davis, Head of Digital for Queensland Rugby League, right in the middle of the Origin season. Welcome to the Sports Geek Podcast. 
Thanks, Sean. Great to be here. So first of all, uh, just for international listeners and those who who don't quite understand, uh, I guess, the the prize jewel that is uh, State of Origin and Queensland versus New South Wales, do you want to give us the, the explanation that you potentially give to people outside Australia that don't quite understand its importance? Yeah, I probably, for Americans, there's, there's the explanation that I give them that, that goes like this. It's basically a series of three Super Bowls always between the same two teams. So imagine the, you know, the two most fierce rivals in, in the NFL and imagine for whatever reason they played a series of uh, a best of three series every year. That's how big this game is to Australians. And, and I guess probably from my point of view is, it's, is that where it's a little bit different is that it's, it's the all-star game. You know, if you take it in the American parlance, if it's the NBA All-Star Game or the Pro Pro, Pro Bowl, that's that's sort of a it's almost a hit and giggle, and no one cares about it, and everyone's not worried about being everyone's worried about being injured. All of those things, Origin turns that on its head, where it's got it's you know state versus state, mate versus mate, Queensland and New South Wales, the two heartlands for rugby league, and the best players fight tooth and nail to be on those squads. And then in the games themselves, they're the they're the pinnacle of the sport. Uh, so, I think that's that's right. That, that, it's, that's almost, the it's almost it's almost at times been bigger than uh, international games. So Australia uh, versus England or whatever. Australia New Zealand's a classic grudge match. It's uh, at various times it's it's been perceived as as a the, the most elite form of the game above. International, yeah, definitely. So your role as as head of digital for Queensland Rugby League, um, this is obviously your prime time. But what does your what does your overall role entail? Um, you know, twelve months uh, throughout the year. Okay, well, we I guess uh, internationally may sound like small beer, but we're the we're the largest rugby league. Uh, organization in terms of participation and and. Uh, and I guess geography that we that we cover. So Queensland, um, very large state in a very large country. Uh, we have sixty seven thousand grassroots players from under sixes all the way up to uh, the elite level that we're talk- we've just been talking about. Uh, we have uh, a second tier competition. So I guess it's. For, for those in the US, again, it would be our equivalent of the college basketball scene versus the NBA. So it's the second second highest form of the competition um, with 14 teams in it. That's a, that's a growing uh, elite competition in its own right, and that goes uh, as, as 14 teams and 13 teams in Queensland and one in uh, Papua New Guinea. So technically an international competition, um, but all the way down to uh, all those all those people just playing for fun in their local uh, in their local competitions and local clubs. Something like yeah, ninety eight different competitions, four hundred ninety five uh, different clubs throughout the state. But I guess a lot of the attention uh, gets put on. That state of origin series, which which is sort of a, I guess an eight week block in the middle of the year in our winter. Um, so, so yeah, it's a it's a wide gamut of, of of the game. So very much, 
very much like, you know, if we're looking at the national organising bodies and the state organising bodies, uh, you are everything rugby league in, in Queensland. So supporting all the grassroots um, and supporting all the feeder teams and the feeder leagues up to the elite level and, yeah, the pinnacle being uh, the Queensland Maroons, uh, the state representative team that's part of state of origin. So it's uh, it's a lot like, you know, we talked spoken previously to Tennis Australia that have their have their big event being the Aussie Open, but for the rest of the year they're, they're supporting grassroots, getting more kids playing tennis. You're doing the same and do, providing digital support for more more kids and more people to be able to access rugby league in Queensland is your overall, uh, overall role for the whole year? Uh, it is, yeah. Plus, of course, we're running that, I guess, that full, well, full 30-week competition in the middle of it and, yep. and, and we sort of skip over the NRL, which is, I guess, the highest, uh, the, the elite club competition in, in the game uh, or certainly in this country, if not the world. Um, so we skip over that. There are NRL teams in Queensland, but they are governed by the NRL, but we our governing body for everything else in Queensland, that's right. So I want to dive in on, I guess, yes, these marquee events, uh, three games, state of origin. Um, what are some of the things, because, you know, the challenge for you and your team is you've got three games, you're not like a club, you're not in that club environment that has, you know, 26 games and finals and those kind of things where you get to experiment different things. You've got those. You've got those three events. In some years, you've got two games. In one, in other years, you've got one one home game. Um, take us through. I guess when does the planning process start for you know this Origin series that's currently underway, um, and then what are you trying to get out of those three games? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, we, uh, I guess, a large chunk of our digital monetization or our overall monetization is around the uh, around the State of Origin series. Obviously, wherever the eyeballs are, that's where the money comes from. Um, so I, I guess my KPIs are, are year-round around uh, engagement and, and you know, revenue generation and what have you. So we get a large chunk of that um, and video views, of course, on all, all different platforms. So we get a, a massive chunk of it through Origin. So... To, if we want to hit those KPIs, we, we need to maximise, obviously, our peak time. Um, our planning will probably start, I guess, at the start of the new year. So for those who don't know, there's the rugby union, uh, the rugby league um, uh, season, although it's expanding, um, doesn't start in earnest till sort of uh, March, I guess, although yeah. there's a... There's a uh, another competition that sprung up before that, but we're probably planning for Origin in January. Yep. Um, and I guess looking back at what worked last year, what didn't, and just trying to improve, just trying to iterate every year and and, and fold in the new, all the I guess the learnings and the uh, adapt to the changes in certainly many social media platforms and the technology and um, what's happening with. Uh, Video and, and AR and VR and everything else. So. And so, when do when do things start to uh, uh, kick in? Do you do you start sort of joining the conversation a little bit more early on in the season and profile you know Queenslanders that are that are playing well in the NRL and those kind of things as the NRL season kicks along, or is it really yeah. around when those squads start getting announced and 
when you can actually get access to the players in in those you know those training camps and and the origin camps that happen in the lead up to the games when does when does it start sort of really becoming in earnest and you start doing that build because like you said in in January and February you can't be talking about origin because you know the sports fan and even the even the true Queenslander their attention is elsewhere whether it be other sports or or club football or the NRL like when do you sort of start that conversation and, and start, I guess, twisting the dials to say we're going to push out more content? Well, we we try and uh, about 12 months ago we, we developed, we, I guess we, we stuck our little flag in the sand and said, okay, we're going to have a 12-month content calendar around State of Origin. How do we do that? It sounds uh, counterintuitive. Well, we basically have a milestone calendar. So yep. for, for 12 months of the year, um and obviously, in the I guess in the low points in the off season, uh, our our Facebook and Instagram uh, channels will be will tick over with oh it's, uh, it's um, Wally Lewis's birthday or, or on this day in 1984 such and such made their debut in State of Origin so on and so on uh, so it'd be I don't know I'm not sure. Anyone who's done that out there, I'm sure there are plenty of people. You actually start to fill out the calendar fairly quickly when you when you think about debuts and birthdays and milestones and you know whatever else you can you can chuck into the mix. So you can pretty much come up with a piece of content every day if you if that's the way you want to go. Yep. Um, obviously, once uh, games start getting played, Auckland Nines is the first sort of standalone cut down modified version of, of rugby league that's played um, in, I think it's, well, it's usually Feb- end of Jan- Fe- yeah, end- January, February. Yeah, end of January, early Feb. Um, obviously, any Queenslanders playing in those competitions, we can then hang our hat on those and follow them even though they're playing for a different team. Um, so that's sort of... And so you're sort of in that space of either... Manufactured content around milestones or birthdays or special days in history from a Queensland point of view, to leveraging and curating content that's around whether it be Auckland Nines or Channel or, or sort of the start of the NRL season. But it's 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 a real you know I've worked with different teams when you don't have access to the players you are sort of it's it's manufactured. When yes. do you start? When do you start? Uh, and I guess the other thing is do something similar, you know, with the Socceroos. They only come together at a certain time at a certain place and it's a short time frame and they're obviously there to do football-related things in the same way that your origin team is. How do you get in into that window to say, hey, we need to do some content, we need to do some interview pieces with the guys in their, in their Queensland strip? How do you yeah. plan that kind of piece around those training camps to say, yeah, we've got these content commitments where we we need to fill out content over these this eight week period, and we need to sort of condense that access to the players because they do get pulled in multiple directions with traditional media, the training staff, yeah. all of that kind of thing. What's that? How does that sort of work in that training camp scenario? Well, I think if you if you waited to only do your content production in, in when they come into training camp, you, you'd fall short. So we have, and and you're right in in saying that we don't have rights to call on the players outside of, um, I guess, that 10-week period in the middle of the year. But we, uh, people can't quite believe this, but we pay the players to come in and do a a media shoot, uh, like a full day's uh, media shoot uh, in November, generally, uh, depending on this year will be a bit different because there's a World Cup. But 
yeah, just before they go away on holidays, uh, after the season, uh, we pay them uh, to come in and we, yeah, we shoot a ton of content. Uh, obviously, I guess planning for the next year probably does start just before that uh, um, in order to figure out what we're going to shoot. Uh, and then we use that to, I guess, augment the stuff that we do get once they come into camp. So. Yep. For those who don't know, each each of the three games is preceded by a, pretty much a a ten day training camp, and so that's when we do have access to the players, and we have fairly well, we have a great relationship with with the team and the staff. But we, we're mindful that they're there to win a game, and so you don't have unlimited access, but you do have quite good access. So then we obviously. Um, yeah, then we, we shoot content series, we shoot funny stuff, we shoot whatever, you know, whatever the content plan says. Um, and as well as just the not the standard stuff, the headshots, the video headshots, the green screen stuff uh, and sponsor sponsor content that uh, we need to uh, tick off as part of their sponsorship. Obviously, sponsors require them to do yeah. various other shoots. And so, uh, then, and so then what does... So if that's the, you know, using the training camp and you're right, you need so much content, it is hard to get it in that space. Um, how does, then, then what does the strategy come down to, you know, on, on game day? Because it's such a, you know, it's such a premium TV product. You know, yeah. nearly all of, you know, all of Queensland is watching. Yeah. All of New South Wales is watching. And, you know, you don't have to present, you know, you don't have to present a lot of video and that because they're, they're watching. So what, from a social digital point of view, what are you looking to do in in the digital space to 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 uh, to enhance that coverage and to I guess deepen the ties with Queensland fans that you're trying to do on on a game day? So we're trying we're trying to we we hang our hat on um, reactive content from the game. So the uh, the media rights are fairly restricted here, so we yep. can't use game footage uh, at, the, at this point in time. Next year will be slightly different as the media rights ch- landscape changes a bit. But at the moment, we can't use any game footage in our reactive content. So what we're, I mean, I guess the what we're really trying to do is, even for a fan at the game or at home watching on TV, we want to have a fresh bit of content out within about 90 seconds of whatever the play is that's been made. So by the time you jump off the couch, high-five your mate, have a sip of your, of your beer and sit back down again, you can look at your phone and there's a new fresh bit of content that has pulled uh, you know, an image of uh, whatever that so, moment was. Yeah, and, so and take, us, take, us through that, take us through that process because I discussed a little bit of this um, with Matt Henry um, on an earlier podcast, where we were stuff around the celebrities and and getting them saying, "Hey, we support so uh, you know I'm behind the uh, Maroons and that kind of thing." Take mm-hmm. us through the process of you and your team. You know, uh, you're watching the game. You know, uh, Cam Smith balks someone and scores a try, or he, he doesn't offload and someone else scores. What's what's the process in your team for doing that turnaround in that 90 seconds? Okay, so before, obviously, a long time before we get to that point, we've done a series of uh, a series of templates, and then yep. uh, over over a period of time, we've I reckon we've we haven't quite perfected it, but we're getting we're getting close. So basically, we'll have um, we'll have uh, Photoshop templates. We'll have 
After Effects templates, we'll have all sorts of animations waiting there basically to drop a game image into the back of yep. um, and change text on the fly basically. So it'll be, you know, it'll be short, sharp. I mean, the, the NFL, the um, NBA are very good at this and they've probably, they probably lead the world. But, um, yeah, if it's – it would be something as boring as try time, but, it, you know, it would be something like a big banner headline that that we've got probably three or four guys in the tunnel or just off the field who are getting card swaps off the snappers uh, live. Yep. And so basically we'll drag, we'll be there on our laptops and drag, put a put an image quickly through Lightroom and um, drag that into into the template and a bit of a tweak and publish and away we go. Uh, so yeah, as, as I say, we try and we aim to have things turned around in 90 seconds. That stuff obviously it attracts a hell of a lot of eyeballs, so it can uh, it, it is sometimes branded, um, but sometimes branded after the fact. Uh, just depends on the deal. So that obviously that's all pre-built into those templates. And so and so it is all it is all in that preparation that you might have all of these different templates, and you might have scenarios that just don't don't come up, you don't get a template used because that match event or that scenario didn't happen. But it's well, the, we have the, to, the planning yeah, has we, to be there and those templates have to be there, otherwise you can't get that 90-second turnaround. That's right. Uh, the guys are getting pretty good at it. So they, they, they come up with templates that are sort of for, I guess, the shape of an image of a try is generally always a horizontal kind of shape, someone diving or whatever. There's some, you know, a shape of... Guys going up to grab the ball, leaping in the air is, you know, usually a portrait sort of style shot. So they try and cover as many kind of uh, permutations as they can. Uh, but it's all about quickly coming up with a tagline and whacking it in. And uh, yeah, and yeah, as you say, it's all about the preparation. So so that you can, you do have enough different templates that suit most occasions. Um, we make we make animated try cards these days. We make uh, so we've you know on those video shoots we've we've and you would have seen them on big screens uh, around the game and you know the kind of thing where the player is introduced number five Davis yep. and you know they they're there on a obviously etched out of a green screen folding their arms and that kind of thing. So we have that kind of stuff uh, on try cards. Um, best laid plans uh, in game one of this series. Uh, Queensland unfortunately only scored one try, so we, uh, my poor designers, did seventeen different try cards. Only got to use one once. So yes. um, we we say that that's a jinx, and we've told them not to do it. But of course, since you don't you don't do uh, make make a version for everyone, then that person's guaranteed to score. So anyway, uh, yeah. So it's all about the preparation. And so, is there also, uh, I guess, uh, checks and balances in there in that? Some you know before the the publish button gets hit, someone is uh, following a checklist to make sure the name's right, make sure the score's right, make sure the 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 the, the, the picture image is right, make sure the the, the copy that's submitting it right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll be I'll be in the tunnel with the guys, yeah. uh, and I'll get I guess I buck stops with me, so I, I'll have the final say. Um, we have done it remotely before, uh, but just. The connectivity around big stadiums full of people is, is generally diabolical. So we've yep. found that being physically there on site 
uh, is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm there with the guys. So uh, yeah, because it's it's very much up. it's very much like a you know a professional kitchen where you've got all the people di- producing the different ingredients and effectively comes up to the pass for you and you sign it off and it, it hits. That's right. It's, it a, hits a, a, it's a bit of a it's a pressure cooker situation because we really we we do put a, a clock on it and and anyone who knows about reactive content knows that. You know, half life of, of reactor content is very, very, very short. So, if you take an extra minute to turn something around, you are going to find that your numbers are down overall if, if that continues to happen. And you're and you're competing with you know uh, the the media broadcasters, whether it be Channel Nine or, or other media outlets that are trying to push out that same or similar content. Um, that's right. That, that's yeah. the that's the game, isn't it? The game is speed, and the game is quality at speed. And um, yeah, yeah, we. I reckon we we do pretty well, but yeah, there's always there's always room for improvement. And and some of the challenge is that the platforms change over time. So um, now the only chronological uh, social media platform is is Instagram Stories for us. Everything else is, oh, I guess Twitter. The the Twitter the the volume just kills you. But um, Instagram Stories is really our only opportunity to do a. A chronological sort of uh, not not day in the life, but you know uh, a series of events. Yep. Whereas everything else is is algorithmic, so you can't get the the right order. So we've had to re- react to that and do more a lot more Instagram story content. Um, we now do our team list as a as a horizontal strip of a continuous, uh, I guess, photo gallery that joins one player to the next. So, so we. So the bit that I'm interested in, and you mentioned Instagram Stories, which you know it got that idea from a little little app called Snapchat. Because you're right, yep. it's those two. That format is is the only one that tells it, tells stories in the way that we've traditionally watched them. You know, mm. no one, no one watches Star Wars, you know, out of order, right? They, they don't algorithmically yep. say you're going to start with this bit scene because it's the greatest scene. That's the one you've seen. Um, yep. And so, which of the platforms do you find to be the most that re- it sounds a bit silly. React the most to reactive content because, for mine, like you know, are people opening up Insta Story, you know, quickly after a try or after a big highlight to see it, or uh, or are you seeing it again where you might not have the opportunity to dive into the stats, or, or are people watching it? Because uh, I find Instagram Stories and Snapchat Stories are a great sort of recap, and so yes, the, so the speed of you know, if you're saying, "Hey, we've got to get this out, we've got to get this out," and you're you're a little bit Gordon Ramsay in your in your line there to say, "Push, push, push," whereas mm. there's platforms like Twitter has to be out first because that's how Twitter works. Whereas mm. the Instagram story can be the last one done because the people are going to consume it afterwards. You know, you've won the game; they want mm. to see the whole story and get the full recap. Is there is there platforms that are more, yeah, like I said, more reactive to reactive content? Uh, well, we're a bit of an interesting. Um interesting entity in that we are our Facebook audience is so massive. Yep. We're the number one got the largest Facebook audience in Australia of any Australian team in any sport, which is a nice little factoid. So yep. So Neil uh, getting close to the uh, million dollar uh, million fan mark. I, I that's see. right, yeah, nine hundred and thirty thousand or, or thereabouts. Um so obviously, you know, your premium content you're gonna push to your premium audience. Yep. Um Having said that, on the on the flip side, is Facebook are turning the screws on your your free reach in order to try and get everyone to pay. So there's there's that balancing act. But yeah, we we you know we consistently um, 
let's I think I've got some stats, but out of uh, game one, we you know millions and millions of. But it is, but it is very much playing to the algorithms, uh, I guess. Uh, you know what Facebook is pushing out. People That's want right. live; they want access. When people are talking about it, and you're the premium, you know, brand for that topic, then yes, it makes sense to put that. You know, there's a try. Every, you know, Queensland fans have been conditioned to. Well, we scored a try. I need to share it so my New South Wales mates see that we just scored a try. So. Facebook is becoming more live and more more reactive, which you, you know, uh, four, four or five years ago, that would have been Twitter's domain. Um, yeah, that's right. Uh, so it is it is interesting, but yeah, I, I was just more on the point of the uh, you know the Insta Story, Snapchat stuff on whether they're checking in, watching it. You know, I feel it's more of a oh, it's half time. What did the Queensland Marines put up on Insta Stories at half time and see what? Yeah, it is. and and we we do specific half and full time. Uh, content as well so that's a slightly different format as well so we try and capture those eyeballs as well as uh, and then that I guess that's that's known they're known milestones that you're always gonna you know are gonna happen so you can kind of uh, you know drop in drop in a a relevant background image and change the score and and write some text that says uh come on, we need to come back in the second half or we're miles ahead or whatever the case may and, be. And are you seeing the what I'm hearing from a lot of different clubs that are sort of dabbling and playing with Insta Stories that it's it's really effective in, in driving more traffic than most people expected? If you do, you know, here's the, here's the team list or here's the, here's the longer video swipe up uh, to, to watch or uh, do it. Are you seeing that? Uh, yes. Because it's very yeah, counter to, to Insta because for the, for the normal feed, never, no one ever leaves. They just keep swiping and double tapping, whereas Insta Stories is completely, you know, because they're really two separate products mashed into one. But the Insta Stories is is actually driving a lot of traffic for a lot of brands, and really, really quite easy and quite attractive to monetize because I mean you can put a you can put a, a I guess a, a slide in in between the other stuff that has you know is is linking to whatever whatever website that the sponsor or a, you know a partner wants you to. Um, and away you go. So uh, it's very. I, I, I think the the days of of it all being a bit of a free for all will be numbered, and they will get the screws will turn as they always do. But yeah, we that's our our largest or our fastest growth on any social platform by a fair margin. Oh, I think we just saw just recently that uh, Facebook is sort of putting its uh, policies out around, I guess, branded content. More, yeah. the, more, more targeting the the influencer types and making sure that it's you know well disclosed. Um, you're, mm. you're right. You know, Facebook knows that if people are making money out of their platforms, they will make sure that Facebook gets some money out of those platforms, and uh, yeah. uh, it, which is what their business model is. So you can't yeah. can't, can't begrudge them that. The other yeah. thing, aside from game day and the reactive content piece, because you know I still think it's super relevant. It makes you know that second screen experience for mine. It's the it's a digital face paint. You want to make sure you're giving content to your fans to share, and that's why Reactive is is so good. The other thing you've done um, in in this uh, this Origin series is is the Maroon Festival and sort of moved into the you know the digital support of event activation and and the things the things around that. What what were some of the things you looked to do around uh, around the festival from a digital point of view? Um, well, the, I guess. Overall, the, the main strategy around the festival itself is 
it sounds cynical, but it's, it's not really cynical, is to create a rights-free environment to to use, that we own, to use for whatever purposes that we want. So obviously the rights around um, large football matches and, and uh, TV deals and, and, and digital deals are heavily locked down and already monetised, but if we create new stuff, then it, it's our new stuff. So And we can then use it to drive grassroots um, you know, young kids signing up playing rugby league or to also to diversify a fan base. People think that rugby league's mainly followed by, uh, you know, males of between 20 and 40 and, and that's not really the case but it, it does skew a bit that way. But um, we wanted to have a rugby league conversation but not hardcore rugby league but I guess sport generally and Queensland generally so we can actually not convert fans but just touch and engage with with fans who like just like go to events, like to go to community events. Um, and, and the thing is it just broadens the whole edu- uh, entertainment package that, yes, you are going there for a you know, super important game but, you know, you see the same things happening you know the, the the activations and the festival around around the Super Bowl. Uh, you know the NRL and the AFL do something similar around their their grand final, and it's now just what fans expect from big events. So it makes sense that you know Origin does something uh, something similar. Was there anything in particular you did from a digital point of view um, around some of that uh, uh, you know events and experiential, which is you know a real hot term in. In marketing, did you do anything yeah, in that we, space? We did. We partnered with a developer up here um, to uh, to build our Maroon Festival app, and, and a, a large sort of driver of, of that was uh, uh, what we called a Legends Walk. So it was an AR, I guess, virtual treasure hunt of uh, I don't know if anyone. People who live in Australia would know there's a Wally Lewis statue, a very famous rugby league player, at the front of of the largest uh, ground, the largest stadium in in Brisbane. Yep. Um, uh, known as the King locally, um, we thought, well, he's a fantastic, uh, you know, I guess statesman or, or example of players. But there's there's all these former players, many of whom are legends. So we thought we'd we'd uh, use this app to create similar statues of these these very famous players and and a series of them where you basically download the app and you scan markers on the ground and you can um, so effectively see yeah, these virtual virtual statues. virtual statues that are sort of you know uh, uh, real size or, or slightly larger and then they can uh, take a photo with their favourite player and, and share it on online and and. You know, have and learn a bit as well about you know people who watch the game now might, may not know where Origin came from and, and who Arthur Beetson was and, and why this whole concept, this grudge match, where it all started. And so we try to uh, slide a bit of sly education in there as well, which I think is probably the best way to handle uh, education. Yes, the old, the old <laughs> edu- edutainment. I think that's is the, right. Yeah. Is the term you're looking for. Yeah. Um, and so, what was the what was the what was the adoption? What were some of the things? Because it's all you know, you know, releasing your you're releasing an app and using all new tech um, at, from a digital part. I mean, you go yeah, and and the geeks and us go yeah, that's cool. But then 
from a general acceptance in the and the punters out there, um, you know, getting people to download a new app and use new tech is is a really big hurdle. It so, is hard. It, so uh, what did you yeah? What did you learn about uh, about that? Like, what were some of the lessons you learned around promoting a, an app just for uh, the for the festival and those kind of things? It helps. Uh, Pokemon, the whole Pokemon Go kind of craze. In, re- in the recent past helped people yep. understand kind of what AR was and it's yep. not not too dissimilar to that. Um, what we did learn was we want next time to take the experience from uh, one person on one small screen um, uh, having, you know, seeing something cool to actually probably have people at that activation with a device that is a known quantity and is, you know, a recent sort of uh, a fairly highly spec device to get a good result, but also uh, share that or project that onto a screen nearby so people kind of a large screen that sh- that I guess shows what's what the content is on on the small screen will would go a long way to helping people kind of get it, yep. and then be motivated to sort of come along and uh, have a crack. Um, people were sort of taking photos of, because obviously with AR you need you need some sort of marker, physical, yep. real markers, so people know, what, you know there's something there to do. And so that people were taking photos with these real markers with, you know, they had almost like a, uh, a photo of the player and a stats board and stuff. They weren't really... Kind of, they didn't. A lot of them didn't cotton on, sort of very yeah, easily. Yeah, so you've just done a little. You've there. done a, a small sign that says, "You know, click use use the app. You'll unlock this." And people are just taking photos in front of a poster. Yeah, well, <laughs> sort of. Yeah, that's a. It was a large kind of. And and I think that's yeah. the you know one of the lessons I think the guys at um at Levi Stadium in in San Francisco like they rolled out a stadium app and and it's part into you know superbly tech uh, specked out tech stadium. Um, even now, two you know, two years in, uh, they've still got what they call a geek squad. People walking around telling people how to use the app. Yeah, you know, two two years in, and so sometimes, yeah. you know, even even though you know, um, you know, I put my hand up, I use Pokemon Go, but then I think I I, I showed twenty people how to use it. Exactly. Like, you know, you still need those sort of ambassadors to to do it, and so, so whether it's you know, whether it's uh, video content that you create that you prime your audience to say, if you're coming along to the festival, download the app, this is what you can do. You can collect all the legends and it's yeah, that, we, that kind of piece that, you you know, you now know that it's like the, the, the getting people to download an app is super hard these it days because it's yeah. people just don't do it that often. We had a lot of, uh, I guess, media partners who we, we tried to leverage as, as much as we as we could to do that, uh, radio and TV. Um the other thing, of course, as any app developer knows, that it's a bit of a balancing act between the size, of, especially in AR, the size of the content or the quality of the content versus the size of the app. You know, yep. we tried to get as many people to download the app before they got to site because it was, you know, a very large app because it had sixteen. We wanted the experience to be fairly high quality, but that that brings with it a, a very large app. So as much as we we smash that message out, people just will will not, I guess their priority is not your stuff, it's their yeah, lives exactly. and, and they won't download your app before they get there, no matter what you do, a certain percentage will, but a lot of them won't, so you better be ready for that. So we 
we had uh, we boosted the Wi-Fi and we had you know uh, we for want of a better term augmented the uh, Wi-Fi experience as well so that helped uh, mitigate that but yeah it's it's a constant balancing act. I mean, I, mean, I think it is you know it, it is it is a good lesson that that people sometimes lean into and you know we've got to we've got to keep doing these new things so it becomes a bit more mainstream but sometimes you know we do get in our our own world going oh it's an app yeah cool this app will work we need to download it and then you need to step back and go yeah what are the logistics oh yeah it is an 800 meg app oh what if they don't download it you know how do we go about doing it the, the, you know those kind of things the you know the the boring uh, logistics become you know super important to success so yeah that's um, right and yeah and, and and the thing is we've all learned hard lessons in one little Sort of, oh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, has, has killed a whole project. You know. Mm. So yeah, so uh, so it's good, and and again, then it's just a matter of, you know, uh, what what tweak that might be. You know, next next year, obviously, you know, the fact that you've got people downloaded the first version, then you know, you can update the version for uh, uh, for the following year. That's that's always a a, a good lesson, and yeah, I think things like you know, Pokemon Go help help things go mainstream. Um, yeah. But yeah, and sometimes you know the best technology is having someone standing next to the poster say, "Don't take a photo. Try this version. Look at this." Yeah, you know? look at this. Let me give you a hand. Yeah, um, yeah. The next the next iteration hopefully will be you know, there'll be no physical markers. It'll just it'll be GPS plot points, and the the actual AR content will be served from a different server, so you can get that that quick download. But then we're going to have to have the infrastructure to to cram that content quickly into people's phones on site, so that'll be another challenge in itself. But the but the good thing is is that you are you know it is something built for again going back to you know rightly or wrongly what people think a league fan an Origin fan might be. You're like, well, we're building this for the younger fan, potentially kids that want to have fun, do it, be in a bit of the edu- edutainment space. You know, the family that's coming to the game and they want to see a few things, have some fun, like it's it's not directly to your whole, you know, your standard market and you're not expecting every 80, you know, the 80,000 people that are coming there to do it. You're just doing it for this, you know, to make the event, you know, fun for that for that group. That's right. And if you, if you build or if you plan to have a product for a period of time, then, you know, your return on investment is a bit, a bit more of a long-term a long-term strategy. So you know, you know, if you if year one downloads are slightly off off the mark, then it's not the end of the world. You can iterate, and that's the whole point of you know trying new things. And I think it's even just the process of, of going of, of doing that uh, is I don't know. It, it speaks to our audience to say that you know we're we we are trying new things. We're not just gonna do the same old, same old, expect the unexpected kind of thing. Um, and that's where that's that's what's exciting about sport and so that's what I want to be exciting about uh, our organization as well. Um, last thing I want to talk about, talking about new tech and sort of integrating and what you're trying to do. You've been doing a little bit more and more around, you know, drone footage. Um yeah, there's well, a bit of, there's a bit of, you know, it's the new toy, it's really shiny. <laughs> but then then how much do you do? Because you know, because you can fall in love with it, fall in love with the tech, and potentially, uh, you know, go away from the stuff that works. You know, because sometimes fans just want right. to watch the watch the boys go through the captain's run, 
um, and and see them up close just with a standard camera. How do you balance? How do you balance that? Because I'm sure you've got you've got you've got guys in your team that love their love their toys, and you know a lot of listeners well, are the same. Yeah. They go, we want to do it with all these new new fangled toys. How do you balance? You know, you're, you know, you're spending you know a couple of thousand dollars on a drone, and and then eventually it goes, yeah, we use 15 seconds. Um, yeah, how, well, how do you balance that? That's a good question. Um, funnily enough, the drone is not a – we're not producing a lot of, uh, I guess, client-facing or, or uh, fan content. We're actually producing a lot of uh, video footage for analysis for the team itself. So okay. the ROI is kind of – is that that's it right in a nutshell. And, and if that wins us games, then that's all the ROI I'll ever so need. So your team um, partly services, I guess the I guess the operations, the coaching side. Um, uh, partly does, yeah. I yeah. mean, and sports tech um, and, and analysis kind of stuff we we look after. It's not we don't do a massive amount of it, but we but we do obviously do it around our premium, our elite competition. So basically, we we fly the drone to um, analyze defensive. Uh, technique and defensive patterns, and to for the coaching staff to review that footage in uh, in contact um, sessions, so yep. contact training sessions, um, and you know, so they can they can uh, coach the guys to to get defensively mainly uh, as tight as they possibly can, um, and and to watch, I guess, how players react to certain situations so- in defense. Yeah, so that's good. So then, at least your operators one are getting, you know, it's get they're getting reps, they're getting the hours in the air, so they know how to they know how to drive uh, the drone and get the appropriate footage. So then, when you flip it over to the fan engagement space and you say, "I want a good drone shot of of the festival," because you're not doing anything game day, that's that's the purvey of the of the TV rights broadcaster. But if you want that, you know, that long pan shot of, "Hey, look how cool the festival looks." Yeah, your drone, your your drone operators can go. Yep, that's no worries, and you're not, you know, you're not saying, okay, this is the first big flight you've ever done. Just capture it perfectly. <laughs> Try not to crash into the crowd. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, yeah, certainly once you've once you've mastered a fast moving ball, um, uh, you know, staying the right distance away from a fast moving team on a field, and guys that kick the ball and and like to target the drone a little bit as well. You yeah. get pretty- <laughs> get pretty slick on the old control so after that nice panning shots are a problem whatsoever yeah and then occasionally yeah if they do try to hit the drone they hit the drone you go oh well it costs us a drone but it's going to be a terrific bit of uh, viral footage that i can put up on facebook so that's right that's it's... another 50 million views thanks for coming <laughs> so just to uh, just to wrap uh, wrap up uh, with the sports get close five do you remember the first sports event that you ever attended jeez oh, I can remember an early one that I attended, and it was uh, one day cricket in uh, at the MCG back when. Well, it's still massive, but I think it had just sort of expanded. Uh, I think it might have been nine, the '96. Oh, the Australia, World Cup. Pa- the World Cup, Pakistan, I think. And I was you, so way, then- up, way up in the nosebleeds, and it was pretty. That was pretty special. And as a as a twist on that, do you remember your first uh, Origin game that you attended? Um, I I never attended. I, I reckon I attended one or two before I started working here because I just 
I just could never afford it to be yeah. honest. Yeah. Uh, it was a very, very, uh, a very big well, treat to, to get along to go. Yep. Um, and yeah, I reckon I reckon I attended one at ANZ Stadium once, and uh, yeah, uh, it was all a bit of a blur. Now, that's what football games tend to, to blur a bit for me now. They, they, yeah, they, they do. I, they do. I think I went to I think I went to one of the ones that was in Etihad Stadium, one of the first ones that was at oh, Etihad yeah. Stadium from an Origin point of view, and that's. I guess that again highlights how big it was um, when Queensland and New South Wales come down to another state and to play a game of Victoria because we still we still follow it with obviously the Melbourne Storm part of the NRL and and uh, well, a lot of Victorians thing, end up yeah. a lot of Victorians end up barracking for Queensland because uh, so many of the stars for the Melbourne Storm have been uh, uh, stars for the Queensland Maroons for so long. That's right. They're our, our unofficial fourth team. Um, <laughs> And yeah, the next two years, what there's a game in Melbourne and a game in Perth, believe it or not. So, yes. uh, it has the brand has pretty substantial power, and people pay good money to host it uh, further afield. And the the because of uh, the stadium redevelopments, it's the opportunities is there. Yep. Uh, what about uh, what's your favourite or your go to food at a sports event? Oh look. I love a pie. I've got to say, uh, a nice rat coffin. I love a rat coffin. Um, I've, ne- I've never heard that uh, that term. You? A rat oh, coffin. Uh, that, a rat that just coffin. for our American and um, European <laughs> listeners, that must make meat pies sound absolutely delicious. I like yeah. I like meat pies, but I've never called them a rat coffin. But uh, oh, a friend of mine told me that one, and uh, it's, it stays with you. That it does now. Um, yeah, that was that's. A, I think it's a Victorian term, but I. I Happy to be corrected on that. I've, yeah. I've, I've never heard it, but uh, that's, that's all right. I will now pass it on. I'm happy to pass on those kind oh, of yeah. things. Oh, yeah, take that. Take um, what's, the, what's, the, what's the first app you open in the morning? Unfortunately, it's airmail, my, um, my mail app. I've, uh, we have a bit of a running thing in the office where uh, who's under the most, who's snowed under with the most uh, emails. And I'm, I've currently got... I'm just looking at my phone here. Fourteen hundred and fifty-two unread emails. So I'm I'm the leader in in that one. I get CC'd in on everything anyone ever does in the entire organisation. So, so like, uh, so again, I don't know if because uh, I my all of my emails on uh, Google Apps. Um, I use a I use a product called uh, Sanebox. Oh yeah, um, which is a terrific product because it effectively picks out. Oh, their newsletters, their bulk notifications, um, their spam. Um, and then over time it starts learning that, you know, these people are important to me, make sure they hit my inbox. These poor people are sort of important. They go into the later box and I pretty much just stay in those two inboxes. <laughs> um, so it does mean I don't read a lot of the newsletters and I sort of pick and choose which ones I want to read. But for yeah. the most part, the important stuff actually gets through to the inbox. Um, okay, I'm gonna have a look at that. Uh, so if you do Might have, it's, if you do have, uh, if it's yeah, it's a Google uh, add-on product to the apps product, uh, Sanebox. Yeah. It's yeah, it's well worth it. Like it literally sends me an email once I've a week. I've tried a saying, few. I've tried a few, and then, yeah, oh, I'm happy to happy to keep keep looking for that uh, holy grail of the perfect email client. Yeah. Oh, the other one is you know, inbox zero is overrated. Just select them all and delete all of them. Yeah, and then you find out what's really important. That would be that would be empowering, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, what about is there anyone that you think the uh, Sports Geek Podcast listeners uh, should follow? 
uh, whether they be someone you follow on Twitter or someone's work that you follow a lot of? Oh, you've already mentioned Matt Henry, so he's a former colleague of mine, so I'm sure, yeah, he's, he's worth give a Matt, look on. Give Matt a plug. I'm more than happy give to Matt, Matt a plug. Another, give Matt yeah. another plug. Yeah, um, hopefully he'll do the same one day. Yes, ex- um, exactly. Um, <laughs> yeah, la- last I, I bit. like to follow non, non-sporting digital people, actually, just for a bit of light relief. Oh, no, I know. I completely agree with that. Like you, you can learn so much from how you know musicians and music promoters sell out, or yeah. or I'm doing a lot of stuff in the book publishing space and seeing oh, how yeah. they're they're doing it. Um, yeah, uh, you know, one of my favourite phrases: "Steal with pride." So if they're doing it, if they're doing it well, there's a way that you can bring it to your market. So yeah, highly highly recommend that. Lastly, um, what is uh, your social media platform? Would be your MVP. And you can either ask, answer this with your Queensland Maroons hat on, um, and then if you want, you can also answer it from a personal point of view. But if you had to pick a platform that's the most valuable player for you, what would it be? Oh, it's easily Facebook for us. Yep. Um, I'm just looking at stats from uh, State of Origin game, seven, 7.1 million reach and uh, 453,000 interactions, blah, 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 blah. So, yeah. but, but we... We have a bit of a multi-channel approach and obviously it's hard to quickly grow an audience of that size, especially in a country of 23 million or so. Um, so we've got... But that's uh, a pretty good number considering one, you know, just to give context to international listeners, you know, you're approaching one million fans and now, you know, admittedly they're not all in Australia, um, but uh, there's only 16 million people in Australia on Facebook. So, you know, uh, yeah. you know, even if we take the broad numbers, you know, one in every, you know, you've pretty much got 5% of the country, if not more. So kudos for that. Do, yeah, you, have a, do you have a personal social media platform that uh, that's your go-to? Oh, look, I'm, I'm, I'm loving Instagram at the moment. I mean, I know it's not the, the, it is, the it's, new. It's, a, it's, it's often nominated uh, by a lot of people because it is – because we are so – on the go all the time, consuming so much content in the nine, and I say nine to five with uh, with air quotes because we all work longer than nine to five. Um, a lot of people nominate Instagram as their personal one because they just get to switch off and double tap pretty things. I know. Well, it's, in, it's simplicity, isn't it? Yeah. I, I really like uh, – you certainly don't get it with Facebook. Um, and uh, even with the story sort of jammed up the top there, uh, I still kept the experience really fairly light and, and as you say, sometimes you just need a bit of lightness in your life rather yep. than the, the hairy uh, detail and, and analytics side of things. So, yeah, that's some, somehow you just you can, you can feel the waves on that white uh, Jamaican beach that you know, you're yes. looking at or whatever, you just kind of drift away. Yeah. Um, just to finish off, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. Where can people... Uh, where can people find you on the internet if there's a particular platform that they can connect with you? Uh, LinkedIn, I'm probably probably fairly uh, active and, and got reasonable uh, presence on LinkedIn, so I look for Jason Davis. Um, so yeah, I'll, Q, QRL. Yes, I will uh, link to both the uh, QRL and the and the Queensland Maroons and the social channels. Uh, check them out. Um, we are recording this. In the midst of the in the midst of the series, so we'll, we'll, you'll, by the time you listen to this, a couple of games will be done, and there'll be another game uh, another game to come. 
Um, and also, you can uh, send Jace a message if you are in the uh, the Sports Biz Slack. Uh, you've just gone to secure Jace. J A S E makes it very easy for people to find you on the on the Sports Biz Slack. Thank you very much for coming on the podcast, and uh, best of luck for the Origin series this year. Thank you, Sean. Go to the Maroons. Sign up for Sports Geek News at sportsgeekhq.com slash sign up now. Thanks again to Jason Davis or at Jace, as I mentioned. Jace is on the, is in the Sports Biz Slack. Uh, more than happy for you to ask him a question how it went. Uh, this podcast was recorded before Game 2 um, and... I'm recording this intro, outro after game two. So I can tell you, after game two, the series is now tied. Uh, A big win for Queensland in enemy territory. They won the game at ANZ Stadium uh, by two points with uh, Queensland legend Jonathan Thurston kicking to put them up by two points, kicking the extra points to give them the win. Uh, So it goes to the decider. Uh, July 12 will be game three. It will be in Queensland at some corp. Um, so follow the hashtag origin um, and follow the Queensland Maroons and all the socials. All the links will be in the show notes, uh, sportsgeekhq.com slash 150 um, to see all the all the content, that reactive content that Jace was talking about and also the con- the different content they've got coming out of out of training camp in the lead up because it will be it will be a massive lead up uh, for a decider for a deciding match so thank you thanks again for Jace taking the time during origin season because I know it is a busy time um, but yeah if you've got any questions for him uh, send him a message in the sports biz slack or connect with him on LinkedIn uh, the links to connect with Jason will be in the show notes uh, lastly just give you an update on uh, sports geek campaigns uh, you can go to sportsgeekcampaigns.com to register your interest um, really working well in refining the product and how it works with, with some current clients. Uh, if you haven't heard of Sports Geek campaigns uh, before, um, one good thing would be to go watch and listen to my uh, download, the My Money in Sport keynote from last year, which you can do that by going to sportsgeekhq.com slash moneyinsport. Well, I really detailed, I guess, the first iteration of Sports Geek campaigns where we helped one of our clients completely rebuild a, a campaign pitch deck for, for a sponsor, pitch that work against their current digital uh, agency and won that work in-house. Um, so the Sports Geek campaigns is, is very much that. It's a campaign, sponsorship campaign development uh, service as required, you know, software as a service. So we'll work with you, uh, with your commercial teams, your partnership teams to build those campaign pitches. We'll work with your digital team to integrate those, um, integrate those campaigns so they're not just uh, sent, down the, sent down the hill and ask your social team and your digital team to post it. Um, we also work on the valuation piece so the sponsor realises why they're paying what they're paying. Um, and the good thing is you go in with fixed costs, uh, you know the different types of campaigns that we that we have, whether it be a, black, a bracket challenge or a or a tug of war vote or or a, a user generated con- uh, content campaign. Um, you know what those costs are, and so as long as you're charging your sponsors above those costs, and again, that's where the sports geek valuation kicks in. Um, every time you sell them, you're you're making money because those costs are, are covered. So we're seeing between 10 and 25 
$1,000 being made on every single campaign because they've been valued appropriately and integrated with other content that's being developed by the team. So not only are you making money, but you're also showing the, the returns for the content that you're developing. Um, so it's, you're not in that makeup mode, which some of you may be in at near the end of the season of, oh, we've got to show the sponsor that we've delivered this value. This is where this fits, where you can say, hey, here's the campaign. That's the pillar of the sponsorship that will drive brand awareness, attract sales leads if that's what they're looking for. Um, but then also you can integrate all the other con- uh, content pieces to, to show where that value lies. And so you're not just scrambling at the end and doing make goods and those kind of things. Um, and it doesn't require any resources by you. So it just requires that uh, initial setup of your, your partnership and commercial team selling the concept and selling, the, selling that as a product to your, to your sponsors. And then there's no resourcing required. Um, my team and the work with, that we're doing with Tradable Bits and the, and the partnership that we've got, we'll develop, all the, we'll develop all the campaigns, we'll run all the ads to make sure you get the result uh, with the appropriate demographics in, in Facebook, we'll do all the reporting, we'll deliver back all the data um, and all you've got to do is make sure the, uh, the sponsor is happy and, and deliver them the report at the end. So that's the goal. Uh, that's the goal of Sports Geek campaigns to sort of take away some of that pain uh, for, uh, for the commercial teams that are, are lacking a little bit in how to sell digital and also to, to fix potentially the problems between the commercial team and the digital team where there's, where there's a bit of a mismatch and they're not really utilising and correctly valuing the content being, being produced by the digital team. So if you do have interest in that, um, um, I will be um, out and about uh, both pitching it to and talking to, to both the, the partners on the, on the side of uh, the sponsor side, but then also with the commercial teams to say this is how it can be sold. Um, we'll be setting up things like um, upfronts, digital upfronts uh, for clubs to be able for them to showcase all the different types of campaigns and integrated concepts that they can do. And effectively, uh, you can get some of your partners into a, into a little bit of a bidding war to say, oh, yeah, I want that. Um, and the good thing about doing it in this way, you're not committed to building out these big uh, content pieces that have a lot of heavy costs in them. Um, until you actually get someone to buy, uh, to buy them. Uh, so it sort of mitigates that risk of we don't have the budget to do that big project um, and it definitely gives uh, your commercial team something to sell. And you know what I've discussed with people like Jen Van Dyke and Joe Goffred in previous, in previous episodes, once you've defined something and given it to the commercial team and said, sell this, this is what it is, this is what it delivers, it's far easier than just saying, hey guys, we've got digital properties and assets and big reach figure out what you can get so if you go yeah if you send me uh send me an email sean at sportsgeekhq or go to sportsgeekcampaigns.com to fill it out really excited to be working with tradable bits on on this as a as, as a project and as a as an as an offering to the market um because yeah i just I, I i know it can work and the main thing is is to make sure your sponsors are happy uh happy sponsors always come back so until next episode, stay tuned for the sounds of the games. I've got the sounds of the game back for this episode. Uh, Mr. Blair Hughes, good friend of mine, never misses a, uh, a big event. He was at game two. And, of course, Blair, uh, the king of fan engagement, had his phone out to score to capture that game-winning try from the stand. So thank you, Blair, for capturing that. And, again, if you're at a game, capturing a big moment, got the roar of the crowd, 
uh, please uh, send me a link and uh, DJ Joel will put it at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned for that. But until next episode, my name is Sean Callanan from Sports Geek and you've been listening to the Sports Geek Podcast. Like the Sports Geek Podcast? Find us on facebook.com slash sportsgeek. Check out which teams work with SportsGeek at sportsgeekhq.com slash clients. Please leave a review on iTunes. Go to sportsgeekhq.com slash iTunes. Thanks for listening to the SportsGeek Podcast. <laughs>